Sliced Apples Podcast with Alex and David. So it's kind of crazy because this whole time that you guys kept texting, oh, watch the Manti, watch the Manti. I kept reading it as Manti. Man, the Manti doc is crazy. I think you were the first one to say it, and I was like, what's that? You know, like, you're like, it's crazy, dude. I'm like, where is it on? Oh, Netflix. Okay. I'm like, I guess uh, whenever I get a chance, I'll check it out. Alejandro. Oh, dude, the Manti doc. I'm like, the fuck? Like, why are they? Is it like about a praying mantis or something? Like, who? Is it a serial killer or something? Like, what? Did you not see it on Twitter? Nobody, nobody on Twitter said anything that you saw. Dude, I I don't know him by just Manti. I like you have to say the whole name. That's how I know Manti Teo. I can't just read the first name and be like, oh, Manti Teo. Like, no, I just that just it doesn't click in my head until I think last night. I think last night it was Eddie. Eddie texted me, dude, have you seen the Manti? Manti Teo documentary, and then it just clicked in my head like, oh, man. I'm like, this is what Alex and Alejandro have been talking about. (laughs) (laughs) It's been trending for a while now. I'm not sure. I'll have to check what number it is, but it was like number two in shows uh, last time I checked on Netflix. Bro, I didn't know it was that deep, bro. Like, I didn't know. uh, Oh, yeah. The the. Let's throw spoilers out there. If you haven't seen the Manti Teo documentary, you need you need to go watch it first of all. It's it's really really good. Regardless if you're a sports fan or not, it's just like it, it catfishing was not a thing back in 2010, 2011. Like it was at least new when all this broke. And it is wild to watch this man go through just the shitstorm he did. Um for like the guy, I mean you learn like what kind of guy he is and he's He's a really good guy. I mean, not just like I mean, face value, but like throughout the documentary, you're just like, man, this guy's really well spoken. Like he knows what he's talking about. He's been through this he's, shit. He's a great guy, dude. Like yeah. top tier, just like class act, bro. Oh yeah. And I was just like, man, why why does this have to happen to him? And I felt like it happened to him because he was a good person. Like, you know, if he was if he was, you know, a, a savage out getting, you know getting the women at the local college on his own. He wouldn't need some girl on the internet. Like he'll be like, bro, I get that shit locally from the source in person. I don't need to go on the internet and talk but to you somebody across that he's, the country. He's not that way though. You learned that in the that's, documentary. That's what I'm saying that it's like he was punished for being a good person. Yeah. Potentially. Seriously. That's what I, mean, I only got through the first episode, but that's a, literally what I got at the end. I was like, man, this guy decided to be just a great person, a person, a, a man of God. Yeah. And to a certain extent, not directly, but I feel like indirectly because of that, that's how he got caught up in this situation, getting catfished and whatnot. Well, and, they go into it, and I'm just going to spoil it for you. I'm sorry, okay. but... They like since you said you've watched it, we're gonna we're going into it, and I don't. It kind of all runs together because it really should have been like uh, maybe not one full episode, but like the first episode is like an hour, 
they probably could have done everything in like an hour and a half. Like they didn't need to do a two part, you know, I guess that was just their structure, but did he got catfished and okay, let's start with this for the people who don't know. Manti Teo was a legendary linebacker that committed to Notre Dame and played there in the early 2010s. He was the runner up to the Heisman in 2012 to Johnny Manziel. And really was the first defensive dominant player in I don't even know how long uh, to even compete for that award. So it was a big, big deal. And this guy was a force. He was born in Hawaii. He is, I believe, Polynesian and raised in the church Latter-day Saints, the Mormon church. And so very, very, very secluded, like big time bubble boy. And I didn't know he was Mormon until the Notre Dame eight, because he 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 it went like half more than half way through the episode. Like he talked about his faith and stuff and his religion, but I thought it was just he was just a Christian, like a normal yeah. Christian. And then the Notre Dame uh, athletic director, I think it was, he was the one who mentioned Manti Teo being Mormon, and I was like, did he like mess that up? Because this is the first and only time I ever heard of like mormon being thrown in there yeah well they call it they call it church of latter-day saints that's like what the i guess full name of it is so he does say that at some point and i also learned polynesian is like a thing i thought it was just a sauce and so i learned that too that's more than just the sauce how fucking stupid are you? I mean, what? I'm sorry, I couldn't even. I had pause and you thought, what? You thought it was just a sauce? Like, what does Polynesian mean? Like, if you're, if I say I'm Polynesian, what is, what is that? I don't know. I've I never really heard know. that before. I've I mean, never I heard what, that before. What country is that from? Polynesia. Is it, like, is I just it, thought. Is it, it's Polynesia. Yeah. So it's it's one of the. Uh, it's one of the islands in Thailand or something. Is that it? We're going to take a look here. No, it's, it's no, it's the one that's off Australia. Mm. So like it's south of Hawaii and then they've got like Samoa, Tonga. So that makes sense why they're all over there in Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That yeah, makes Papua sense. New now. Guinea is kind of close. Yeah, New Zealand. So that's their. Uh, that makes sense. I didn't know that, but obviously, if you're Polynesian, you're from Polynesia. So uh, why am I the dumb one for th- not knowing it? Because it's a subregion of the Oceania. O- Oceania made up of more than a thousand islands. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, Polynesian sauce head ass. <laughs> anyway, so he gets he gets recruited. I th- he's very very faith based to the point where in the beginning of the documentary he is saying, you know, he wants to go to USC. His whole family supporting USC. He's been dreaming about playing for USC since he was a kid. And then he goes and says a prayer, and like a janitor or something like that mentions like, you know, I, I really thought you'd go play for like Notre Dame, and he took that as like a sign from God that he'd go play for Notre Dame. Props to you for the faith, the belief there. Kind of wild that this man just took like a one-off statement from a random person. I think he said it was like a close friend. Like a one-off statement is like, you should go to Notre Dame. And he changes his whole perspective. Took that as a sign, like good for you. 
Um, if that doesn't tell you in the nicest way I can say this, how gullible Manti Teo is or how like uh, not naive, but like susceptible to outside influences uh, Manti Teo is that that essentially will tell you that, you know, he, he's pretty easily swayed, but he is strong in his faith. He's strong in his family and he's definitely in love with football. But 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 this the catfisher is that how is that correct catfisher i guess i guess yeah because he's the catfishy uh the catfisher um i'm just gonna go by they them (laughs) i'm avoid the pro i'm avoid the pronouns here (laughs) um they went to extreme lengths to I don't know. Make it seem like it's legit. Very extreme. Like the at the end of episode one, I think one of the things that I was kind of like wondering about was when the girlfriend apparently was quote unquote still alive, and the girl sent the picture with everything that you know Metiteo asked for. But in my head, I'm like, but she's not real. How did how? And like, I'm an amateur, I'm a semi-amateur Photoshopper. And I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't see any Photoshop work done there. But maybe, like I said, maybe it, reveal, it reveals it in the second episode or they talk about it more. I think that was the cliffhanger to the second episode. Yeah, so Facebook was founded in 2004 and this was taking place kind of 2009, 2010, that kind of time. So... I mean, this is kind of a new concept, um, but you're right. Like this guy at the time, uh, what his name was Renaya, and he decided that he was, and I'm going to totally just ruin this. I don't know how to say it correctly, but like a closet trans woman, closet trans person, I guess they hadn't, they hadn't fully gone through their process of becoming who they wanted to be is probably the best way I can say it. He it, just it's kind of funny because we're over here like teetering the lines because it's a documentary. It's not like a, a movie or something. It's kind of like I don't want to spoil the 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 Jeff the Epstein yeah. documentary. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but exactly. you know, it's kind of funny. We're just over here like no spoil. We don't want to spoil too much, but it's like it's history. You know, it's just it we li- we lived through it. <laughs> you can just look it up, Google it, like Manti Teo. <laughs> or something but you can google it all and i was doing quite a bit of googling after i like watched it but anyway this this guy renaya who is kind of linked through just i guess location in a way to tua uh not to a manti teo um creates this account as a female to get attention and starts talking to guys but then whenever the guys want to like meet up she or he comes up with some sort of excuse like, oh, you know, I can't or this or that or whatever, whatever excuse w- came up. He, he just would like basically ditch him. Yeah. And Manti, apparently she like he stuck around for Manti uh, and was talking and talking and talking. And like Manti never met this person. But you'll learn in the second episode the lengths that this guy went through of just incredible like psychopathic manipulation this person just went through i mean changing voices you know faking photos 
I mean, called this. So he created this this girl, Lene. Go for in the it. second episode. Did they ever reveal how he did the 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 girl voice or what yes? The hell? So Doctor Phil is on the second episode, and oh, Doctor Phil comes on because he goes. Renaya goes on Doctor Phil. Okay, and because this all broke. And then it's found out that this dude, Renaya, is the one that's running this fake account, stealing this girl's photos, yada, yada. What, what, what he did was like so psychopathic. It was insane. Like, it's crazy. There's people out there in this world. But goes out and it goes on Dr. Phil and they're like, we don't believe you. Like, we think that and this is Dr. Phil's perspective. Like, we, we think that there's other people involved, yada, yada. And it turns out there's nobody else involved. This guy apparently like has to get in this really bizarre situation like go in a really dark room like lay down and can just like talk perfectly like a female like perfectly you know just like this other character and has all these different voices like has done so many different voices to just manipulate Manti Teo's life bro this this shit is wild and let me let me get into this people who are sitting there saying man Alex you're being kind of harsh psychopath this guy who is portraying himself as this Lene character, legitimately tells Manti Teo through like actions and conversations and whatnot that this Lene character has now died. She got it. They were going to meet up. Like he was going to show, uh, he, or I should say, okay, Lene was going to show up to Manti Teo's like football game or something, like a senior game or whatever it was. First time they were ever going to meet. And, Lene tells Manti Teo that, oh, you know, I got in a car wreck or like has like a family member or something. One of the voices or one of the like people connected, like calls Manti Teo, yeah, I had a car wreck, you know, and then that like prolongs the time that Lene, this character Lene can survive. Well, then he's going to go like visit her basically. And he's like on the phone with her like all the time sitting, like doing this breathing thing. Like Renai is sitting on the phone pretending to be Lene doing this like breathing like 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 in almost like they're in a hospital or he's in a hospital pretending to like be dying essentially it's like oh you know the recovery is going well yada yada well then it gets to a point where they're going to meet again and then renaya in the documentary now naya um so renaya lene and naya are all the same people like again this is so i'm talking about bro it's 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 really crazy uh not if Renaya makes the decision, it's like, oh, well, actually, Manti, like, you know, uh, Lene has leukemia and actually just died of leukemia. The same fucking day Manti Teo's actual grandmother died. Like a couple hours after Manti Teo's legitimate, real, living, breathing grandmother dies. Renaya drops the bomb. It's like, oh yeah, Lene, like, you know, she died of leukemia. Leukemia was le not even mentioned whatsoever in any of this. Like, total psychopath. And goes through this, this whole deal, like the next like 20 minutes or whatever. And then Raya, who's sitting there, Renaya or Raya or Lene, sits there and says something to the effect of like, you know, I just couldn't keep away. And so I decided, you know, I... I knew that Manti was close to the niece, so we showed up at one of the games. Renaya, like the guy at this point, shows up with the niece that Manti links to Lene and is like, you know, hey, yada, yada. And then after that meeting, 
Renaya makes the call. He's like, yeah, I'm, I, he calls Manti in Lene's voice and then says like, oh, you know, I actually didn't die. We had to go into like hiding or whatever, like tries to re revive this Lene character because he can't get over the fact that it's over and Manti is gone and like preparing for the draft. Meanwhile, this guy is going through and trying to win a Heisman. Straight up, trying to win a Heisman. Grandmother and then supposed girlfriend dies the same day, goes on to be the runner-up for the Heisman. And this whole time, dude, it's fucking wild. And what really boiled me, dude, and I want you to pay attention to this, and two fans, if you haven't watched this or you didn't pick up on this, go back and rewatch the second episode because this this Naya character, this Lene, Renaya, Naya character, shows zero remorse. In fact, she's happy that she went through it because it helped her discover herself. She ruined Manti Teo's career and was happy because it helped her discover parts of herself that she decided that she liked. It was like, oh my God, a psychopath. Like an actual legitimate psychopath. Watch it, dude. I'm serious. It is crazy. The twistedness of this person thinks is like, like they ask her like, you know, do you feel like bad or do you feel like you should take anything back? And she's like, you know, there are times where I think about it, you know, I, I really do feel like, you know, there are parts that I should have taken back or this or that, or this might've been dumb, but, but I'm really glad that, you know, I went through it because it really taught me a lot about myself and I came out the other side, a better person. It's like, holy shit. You're not even thinking about the fact that Manti Teo is one of the best college football players ever is ruined because of you. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. Now, Manti holds his own. Like, I mean, come on. You know, you go for however many years and you don't actually physically see the woman. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, you got you to pick up on some clues eventually. But it is wild, dude. Fucking wild. Yeah, that was... That it's first episode much, was... explained, to be honest. Like, I probably just yeah. confused you, but it's... It, if no, you've no, seen I, it, it's wild. I, I've seen the first episode, so I know. I know. I'm kind of... I ca I'm you caught up. You with but, me. dude, I just—it's funny because I really I remember the situation popping back popping up. We were in high school, but I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I was like, "Oh, he got catfished!" Ha ha. Moving on. Yeah. Um, I didn't know anything about Manti Teo. You know, Notre Dame, black. Oh, I remember him. I remember him, but I didn't know personally like anything about the person he was hmm. i knew him on the football field oh um, yeah but it was very interesting to see like it, it was kind of sad for me to see when i realized dang this dude's like fucking nicest person ever ever dude and wait, wait till the end bro he he delivers this little monologue that's just about like forgiveness and acceptance and all. And it's like, I'm lit. I'm sitting there almost crying. I'm like, dude, I feel so fucking bad for you. Like, why you, like, why did you have to go through this? Cause he just sits there and he's just, you know, it was all for a reason, yada, yada, like acceptance, forgiveness, dude, it, it, it will move you. It, it was, uh, he was talking about, um, after his junior year, he had an option to go onto the draft or stay another year. I'm just sitting there at the TV screen. Go to the draft. Yeah, go dude, to yeah. the draft. Yeah, bro. Honestly, now thinking about it before I was like, man, stay your senior year, bro. And then go to the draft. Like for anybody. Now, as I get older, wiser, 
why the hell would you stay that last year? Like, why would, I mean, unless you're not projected a first round pick and you still need to up your draft stock, then you wouldn't even be considering it. But if you're a first round draft pick, why, why stay the extra year? It, it makes absolutely no sense, no sense to me. Um, I understand. Oh, getting your degree or whatever. You can go to college anytime, bro. Yeah. You literally go to college anytime. Can't go to the pros. Can't always go to the pros and make millions of dollars. No, dude. He he goes into it, man. And like, obviously, Lene, the the character, the fabricated character, is a huge part in in why he stays. Dude, I'm serious. Like pulling the puppet string. Bro. Is that is that what you got from that? I didn't really get that from from what I saw. No, it was it was okay. Let me retract that. Probably not a huge part, but a part was like you know you do what your heart feels. Yada yada. Like I feel like in a girlfriend position, you want your man to get that bag, bro. You gotta get that bag. You only get a, like you're saying. You only get a certain amount of time to get that bag, dude. If you can if you can secure it. If you've done three years and you're a first round pick, bro, you got to go for it, man. You got to go for it. That's I mean, but do. he's the type of guy to when he uh, he'll probably find a coin on the floor and it has Notre Dame. It's a Notre Dame coin. Be like, <laughs> stop. I'm staying another year. <laughs> stop. It's, but really, I'm not telling it's a you. Coin, it's a coin. True. But but it could be interpreted as a coin, as in go get that bag, bro. Go to the draft. See. Messages right. can be misinterpreted That's right. depending on who is the one perceiving it. Yeah. Well, we have Alejandro on next time and uh, you'll watch the second one. So we'll, we'll wrap up. But um, yeah, I guess I gave somewhat of a, a brief like rundown. If if you haven't seen it, you got you got to go see it, man. Or you got you got to watch it. It's it's really just it's something. It is really something. Um, but let's move on. Let's. Uh, Let's talk a little football. I mean, let's let's have our hopefully last discussion until week 13 of Deshaun Watson. So <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, week 13 is when they come it comes back and plays the Texans. So hopefully it's the last discussion. Uh so 11 games and a fine, correct? This is where we really miss uh our boy Alejandro talk about it but i believe 11 games and a fine he received yep 11 games and five million buckaroos and then his first game back will be against the houston texans what do we think about this obviously he went through the third party you know uh i think sue l rob robinson or robertson was the judge decided you know six games then roger goodell goes ha we're gonna do 11 what do you think about that? Kind of through the... Uh, I think it's just out. compromise. Oh, It's essentially what it is. You got to understand. Six games, and then there's full season. How about we do 11? Me in the middle. All right. Fine. Just put, put five, $5 million on that. It's like, all right. Cool. So, I mean, it's just... It's all it is is mediation, litigation tribulation i think it's a it's a wild situation though because how many how many total women was it It was like 26 at one point but wasn't it the reports of i think like 50 
there was like more than just the ones that came forward. I think 25. So 25 filed lawsuits. And um, yeah, man, it's crazy. The amount there. I'm surprised he didn't get a year. Honestly. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of done. I'm I'm over the amount because it's like at this point it's just who's real, who's not real. Obviously he did something um for this many women to come out, but I just think the odds of you know all 25 plus or however many there are now all legit like him doing something to all those women. I mean, I'm a, I'm a betting man. So I know, I mean, I can't, I can't even hit a four pick parlay. Jesus, this man's, (laughs) I mean, this is 25 plus. I mean, somebody's got to be in there being like, Oh yeah, he uh, did X, Y, Z when in actuality, he really, I don't know. Yeah. We just don't know. We'll never know. But I, I just like like I, uh, essentially what I'm saying is he's guiltier in some cases than others, and I, I just it wouldn't I wouldn't find it hard to believe at least one of these 25 plus women he's actually not guilty with, you know? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like a like a group think kind of kind of idea. I'm with you. I think we're both kind of, I can tell based on your tone and everything, we're kind of over the Deshaun Watson thing, ready for football to start and stop talking about, you know, sexually, uh, you know, doing bad things to women. That's not, that's not a fun topic that we talk about. So we can move on, but he'll be back week 13 against the Texans. He looked like shit in the preseason game, so we can hope that he'll look like shit then. I think that'll be fun if he looks like shit. That's what I keep telling people Texans are on the come up and they just laugh at me. I'm like, bro, we got. <laughs> and the first thing I always say is, we finally got Jack Easterby out the door. I'm like, we're on the come up, dude. Bro, you're not wrong. That's all that was holding us back, bro. Now we got, we got a good head coach. And, and he's a minority. And let's go. We got Pep Hamilton, offensive coordinator. Okay. Who's our defensive coordinator? I don't know. Me either. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're good too. Um, but I just feel like we got we got some we, we got the culture is finally setting in. The culture. The real culture, not the one Jack Easterby was trying to establish, like a real, you know, football culture. And especially with Deshaun Watson being out, all that's gone. That circus is gone. And now we can just focus on playing football winning some games, hoping the Browns lose a lot so we could get some good first-round picks. That's right. And, yeah, they, everybody keeps laughing at me. I'm like, it's always the Cowboys fans, too. Like, like y'all are going to do any better. Okay. Yeah, cool. so Trevon Diggs was ranked in the 20s, like the low 20s, like 23, 24 in the NFL list of top players coming into 2023, and I was – Kind of looking at that, I was like, didn't that man give up the most passing yards of any cornerback in the league last year? So, anyway. But he was the interception leader. Hey, hey it's a discussion for another time. Knock on wood if you're with me. Let's talk about it. It's kind of like a, a pitcher. He has like 10 strikeouts, but if he's not striking you out, he's giving up home runs. <laughs> it's like, that's fair. That's a, good, that's a good analogy. I like that comparison. Oh, speaking of – actually, knock on wood. Speaking of knock on wood, did you see that they revealed – 
that <laughs> oh, it was Dana White of all people revealed that Tom Thanks Brady for catching was... up to my transition about ten seconds late, but I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just Dana we didn't White. discuss it beforehand, so I forgot until you said knock on wood if you're with me. I was like, damn, Dana dropped a bomb, bro. Big Daddy Dana. What? Nothing. All right. Oh, I I, I thought you were you're you know you. I've, okay, uh, John John Gruden apparently vetoed a trade or an opportunity for uh, Tom Brady and Gronk to arrive in the 2020 season, which was the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl. Uh, John Gruden, who's no longer there for a lot of reasons, uh, vetoed that trade. It wasn't a trade. It was uh, when, when uh, Tom Brady was a free agent. Free agent, yeah. Yeah, Dana did all the things to make I, I don't know how even Dana I mean I kind of see how Dana came in the middle of this but at the same time I don't see how Dana got involved in all of this but uh essentially Brady and Gronk to Vegas signing with Vegas was about to be a done deal and then John Gruden said mm, they don't knock on wood they, ain't they don't me. knock on wood and vetoed that which is funny because we all saw, and I think it was Man of the Arena. He talked about a team. I don't even know if it was Man of in the Arena. It might have been just another interview, but he talked about a team that he was about to sign with. But then they wanted to stick with their the quarterback they had, and he was like, "Really, bro? You're gonna stick with that guy?" And um, he mentioned something about man. I couldn't wait to to just show out on them you know when 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 i got a chance to play them and i think he that's when the that year the bucks beat the raiders like 44 to 20 something <laughs> i think tom brady had over 350 passing yards four touchdowns no interceptions kind of deal Man, that's, that's wild but you know what yeah. i learned you you know what i learned from this situation i don't know how I don't know what he does, but or what he does to achieve this, but Dana White runs everything that goes on in Vegas. Like he has a hand in definitely every sports league that's involved in Vegas that he's interested in. And that's crazy to me that they brought in Dana White, UFC commissioner, right? Commissioner, CEO, whatever his title is, uh, to negotiate or to bring in Tom Brady. A completely different sport. It has nothing to do with it. Why? Well, the man runs that town. Well, there is a connection. Dana White, born and raised Boston, Massachusetts, big New England Patriots guy. Therefore, uh, big Brady fan. Therefore, they they're actually friends. Brady and him are friends. Mm. He's um, friends with everybody. That is true. That is true. But it's kind of the equivalent of like sliced apples. We're we're friends with uh, you know, Jordan Alvarez, Altuve. Okay. Manifest it. Let's make it true. Yeah. That's what but, I'm trying to do. I mean, I, I don't really have too much an opinion on this. I think it's you know, we always want to know what's going on behind closed doors and i think this was kind of one of those sneak peeks but you know honestly like i'm not going to sit here and break down the roster of 2020 for the las vegas raiders and 
go through their playoff run and tell you that, you know, they would have won this game or they would have won that game. I'll let, you know, ESPN or Fox or whatever do that. I just think it's kind of wild that it was Gronk that spilled the beans, right? He just like dropped a bomb right in the middle of it. Or was it totally Dana? I honestly don't remember it. It might have been Gronk might have slipped up and then Dana because uh, they were doing the UFC 278 with the Gronks. And it was kind of funny because <laughs> Caesar texted us, what's a Gronk? What's a Gronk? <laughs> and I was what? like, oh, my God, this man does not watch literally any other sport besides the UFC. <laughs> but, you know, I had to explain to him Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think that's when that came up. Uh I watched the fights at. So it's like it's Dana. I'm, sorry, I'm watching. I'm, I'm watching this little video. It's Dana. Like Gronk, Gronk kind of like said something that alluded to it, and then Dana says like, "You would have been, you would have been." And there's like a slight pause, and then he goes into like, "I'm the one who like brokered the deal, yada yada." Like Dana was the one who broke it, which I think is hilarious, and I think it's great, dude. I I love Dana White. I think he's just. Man of the people, bro. Just man of the people. Just give he them is. what they want. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's pretty straight up. He doesn't. That that's what you got. Can't hate a man that's like keeps it a buck with you, even though you don't like what he's saying. It's just at least he's honest. And well, I'm pretty I mean, sure. And I'm pretty sure that moment of silence was like them. Like, mm, should we say it? Uh, somebody dana must have had a few drinks or something might have been like ah screw it <laughs> yeah i wonder how many of these happen every off season like how close they get before a coach like or a gm or something like that like cuts the deal off there's probably a lot i mean i would say probably two dozen deals so a few weeks ago i was on a youtube rabbit hole and okay. i ended up with the trade that got the Astros caught for the 2017 scandal. And it was like some random trade between like the Mets and I forgot even what the other team was. So they were supposed to try the Brewers at the time. I think it was the Brewers. So they were supposed to trade. I think Carlos Gomez at the time, I think that's his name was supposed to be traded to the Mets. Something happened like literally Everybody thought it was a done deal. The Mets were taking the player off of the field. And so, and, but at the 11th hour, like something was like, oh yeah, it's not going through. I was like, okay, that's weird. Essentially, because that trade didn't go through, a series of events that followed. Get your tinfoil hat on. (laughs) Yeah, a series of events that followed, like trades and stuff that had to do with Carlos Gomez ended up happening. I think Carlos Gomez ended up going to the Astros. The Astros traded for him. And then they traded him away like the next year, something like that, eventually leading to the Astros getting in return. Um, the one D bag, uh, the, the pitcher that, that exposed the whole thing. Oh, I don't uh, remember his name, but I'll find uh, out. Why? See, <sighs> I don't know why it's uh Mike Bolzinger. No. 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 My, what Mike Bolzinger? What? Sorry, that was the first name that came up. <laughs> Mike Fierce. Mike Fierce? Fierce. There we go. Mike Fierce. That's yes. the first name, right? 
<laughs> Mike Fear. So one of those trades with Gomez, I believe, if I remember correctly, ended up with the Astros. Fears was one of the things they got back, mm. one of the players they got back, and then leads to Mike Fears exposing the Astros. And so the guy like just went all the way back to say like, man, if Carlos Gomez just would have got traded to the Mets like he was supposed to do, like the deal was essentially damn near done. Would the Astros ever have gotten Mike Fears and would they have been exposed for this cheating scandal and da da da? I'm like, <sighs> I mean, I see it. It all connects, but it's kind of a stretch, bro. Yeah, that explanation sounded like a YouTube rabbit hole. <laughs> well, the YouTube rabbit hole was definitely uh, explained more thoroughly. Oh, and, I'm sure. I'm sure it was like, if but, you take this event and this event, you connect them while this event's going on. Yeah, those are always fun because they just make somebody who's sitting in their basement and has way too much time in their hands putting together things that do not correlate whatsoever. Love those guys. Need them in the world. I mean... The the only thing that really is true is like if that trade would have gone through, we probably wouldn't have traded him away the next year and got Mike Fears in return. But that doesn't mean maybe somebody else would have been the whistleblower or I don't know. Like I just feel like shit just comes out anyways, no matter what. I mean, shit, the Yankees shit got revealed too, but nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants crickets. Thinking about that the other day, actually, it's all crickets. Yeah, the letter and everything, and it just kind of disappeared. Very strange. finally finished uh, the captain as well. Speaking of documentaries, I, oh, that I was a good one. That. I did watch that one. Really yeah. good insight on Derek Jeter. I always kind of thought he was an asshole of some sorts. Yeah, I was actually an Alex Rodriguez fan growing up because we had the same name. Uh, that was basically the only link. Seriously, um, but I like Derek Jeter. I thought it was a really good documentary. I like that they're taking these athletes and doing the Jordan type thing. I also like that Jordan was the first one because this was so good. And they're like, okay, we can do this with other players. Well, it has to be like, it has to be a certain type of player. So like the thing about Derek Jeter, why his was so intriguing is that just the way he was with the media, he was very, he kept work his work and he didn't talk about anything else like you got no insight onto what was going on behind the scenes at all with Derek Jeter besides him coming putting on his Yankee uniform and being the captain that's all you saw you knew about him I feel like to a certain extent Jordan too just because of the 90s it wasn't like Republicans speakers too yeah it wasn't like iPhones like you know all around blah 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 like recording everything or any like that but I will say, um, I did not. I found out earlier this week. Well, it's Monday. Later last week, <laughs> I found out late last week. My boy Alex Rodriguez, Dominican, bro. He my people. So, were you not a fan of him, and now you're a fan of him? I mean, I like Alex Rodriguez. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I like him. I just didn't know he was my people, so that was different. I thought he was Puerto Rican. For some reason, I always thought he was Puerto Rican. But I found out he's actually full Dominican. And I'm just like, hey, my people, what's up? So now he like, he fam. He fam. Yeah, it was a good documentary. I enjoyed it. I liked that era of baseball was actually an era that I grew up with. So I watched quite a bit of. Now, I don't have all the names memorized and all the different wins and the teams memorized. But I liked watching 
that documentary because it was kind of like a walk down memory lane for me because I I watched all of those World Series and I, I and I was into baseball at that point. I played baseball at that point and everybody wanted to be like Derek Jeter. So, yeah, yeah I think I remember texting you guys like, man, baseball, the clips they were showing during during uh, that documentary. I was like, man, it's just a different level, I, like yeah. a different kind of atmosphere, a different kind of energy. Yeah. I'm just like, what, what is it, what is it missing nowadays? Like why? I'm, I mean, obviously I knew it was the steroid era, but still, you know, what, what was it? What is today's baseball missing that they had back in Derek Jeter's days? Grit. <laughs> I think it's the players, man. Like you don't have the, the same, like you don't have the Derek Jeter's like, I asked about Mike Trout and like a couple years ago, Mike Trout was all this and that. And now he's like injured apparently every other game or whatever. And I, I don't know anything about his injury status. I don't keep up with Mike Trout, but it was like, he was all the rave and he was getting compared to by Babe Ru- or to Babe Ruth. And then all of a sudden I stopped hearing about him. And then I hear about Shoei Itani, Shoei Itani who can pitch and bat. It's like, okay, I hear about him like once, like twice a year I'll hear about him. That's the so, guy you've got to put on the front page of everything because he's a freak. Yeah. So the problem is for both of them, ironically, they're on the same team. <laughs> for both of them, is that the Angels are just a piss poor baseball team. They have Mike, two of the best players. I don't know. Thing is with Mike Trout, I don't even know if he's that great anymore. It's just like, like you said, you mentioned his injury and whatnot, his injuries and whatnot. He, he's always injured. And I don't know, I feel like just because of his name, the Mike Trout, like just that we saw when he got earlier in his career and whatnot, we just still hold him high up there as far as how his play goes. When in actuality, it's like eh, he hasn't really done much about Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, when he was at his hype, like however many years ago, like he was all that. And I was actually watching Bryce Harper games because it was interesting. And then he fell off. Yeah, he got the bag and fell off in Philadelphia. Shohei Otani is the real deal. It's just the fact that he plays with the Angels. If he was on a team like New York or just anybody that's actually winning, oh my God, he would be he he would capture baseball a brand new audience of people. Cause oh yeah, and when I was watching the All Star game, they were talking about it a lot. They're like, "You guys don't understand. This guy can pitch." And hit like he can do it all, and yeah. it's just you don't you don't find that. And they're even even interviewing like Garrett Cole and Max Fried, other pitchers, and they're like, now they're just interviewing them, and it's like, all right, well now what if you had to to bat every day like Otani does? They're like, oh, I couldn't do it. Like they're just like, I I, I can't, you know, because it just takes so much energy away from the pitching aspect. Like they it. Pitching already takes a lot out of him to hit every day. Sheesh. And yeah, so no shot. I think the MLB needs to needs to do something like, all right, we need to we need enforce a trade <laughs> to get him to a to a New York or just anybody that's winning, honestly. Yeah. I uh I'm curious about this before we kind of wrap up because I'm sure you've got a lot to say about this. Okay, tell tell me what happened with this Kamara Usman thing. Like what it, oh, I didn't God. even I didn't even watch it because it was so much of a done deal that I, I didn't even okay, you taking a drink of water, like, oh here we go. But 
from all accounts, I'll check his over like the the betting odds. But I thought Leon, he already beat this guy, and it was going to be nothing. Like it was going to be a walk in the park. Usman already beat him. But yeah, that Usman, was, that's what I meant. Usman already beat him. That so was in 20, 2015. Oh, okay. but, uh, I don't remember how much of a favorite Usman was, but I do specifically remember close at closing. Um, Leon Edwards was a plus two eighty underdog. Um, I am not looking forward to the UFC podcast because Caesar w- is just gonna like run me a new one. Because I was in, I was on that last pod episode, like just Kamaru Usman, he's the, he's the best, he's a great fighter, da da da. And he's like, I got Leon by knockout, and I'm just like, okay, bud, whatever. And he was also telling me how I'm wrong all the time, and I was like, when have I been wrong? So all that shit is gonna bite me in the ass next time I hop on there with him. But did he? But did he like lose the fight, or was it just that perfect kick? perfect kick so that kick came so there's five rounds five 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 minute rounds that kick came in the fifth round and there was one minute left in the fight kamaru usman if that would have went to decision kamaru usman won four rounds to one after the first round kamaru usman won that whole fight he he essentially was imposing his will on Leon Edwards and he slipped and he slipped up. I mean, I don't dude. I remember I'm at, I'm at a uh, twin peaks. I'm enjoying my wings. I'm cause they're delicious. I'm looking down to take a bite and I look up and I see Kamaru Usman freaking like flat boarded on the floor. And I'm just like, everybody's going dog shit crazy and i'm just like oh my god i just saw my life flash before my eyes because i was like i'm just the next ufc pod is going to be horrible and i have to sit there and take it i just have to take it because but going down to the actual fight yeah kamaru imposed his will on leon leon really had no answer for usman and then he kind of fainted a jab which I don't know why Usman did this. He kind of moved his head out of the way, but he moved it towards not only towards his right, but like right down straight into. And then Leon just shot that head kick and he moved his head directly into the head kick. And it's just flush, dude. It's like, it's as clean as as perfect as it gets when it comes to head kicks. And Trust me, it happens to me a lot on UFC 4. Man, if you, <laughs> mo- you use that right stick for your head movement. If you move in the direction that the person is like either punching you or kicking you in, you get knocked out, bro. Like straight up. You get knocked hmm. out. And so do you leaving this fight, do you think Leon Edwards is the better fighter? No. Do you think Kamara Usman is going to climb the ladder no problem and regain his belt? I think they're going to run it back. You have to. I think if you're if you're Dana White, you have to because it, it's one of those um, kind of Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes situation, somewhat, um, where you know Amanda just well, it's a little different, but essentially you knew that wasn't Amanda is the better fighter than Juliana, 
and they had to run it back. And Amanda showed that she is by far the superior fighter. She just, that one day, she just had an off day. She slipped up, just like Kamaru. Kamaru was winning that whole fight. And he's, and that's the thing about the fight game. And that's what makes it so, so great, actually, is that that's all it takes. It's just that one, that one slip up, boom, your belt's gone. Now you got this guy, this freaking English guy that nobody really like cares about. Kind of. Ouch. I mean, honestly, he's not, he's, He's by not Kamaru Usman. He's by far one of the least popular. Not he's great. Don't get me wrong. He's a great fighter. But as far as popularity goes, like he is really not that popular. Like I could name the whole freaking top ten of the welterweight division. They're probably more popular than Leon Edwards is. Um, but yeah, man, it's just that's the game. That's the fight game. That's why we love it. Like Caesar was saying, you know the the. The parody, the the coming in and not knowing what's going to happen because anything can happen. If this was like, to put it in football terms, if this was a football game, this is freaking like Usman was up like 38 to 7. In a football game, you're not going to see with one minute, left in the, one minute left in the fourth quarter, you're not going to see the football team just score like five touchdowns in a row. It's just not going to happen. No. That's essentially what happened in this fight. And this, this is what happens sometimes in the fight game. You just you have a minute left, and you move your head in the wrong direction, and you go 9-9. So let me ask you this, because I watched an interview with him in preparation for this fight a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about going up in weight to a different weight class. And I'm sure you've heard about that. What's your opinion? Do you think he no matter what goes back and fights Leon or do you think he makes the jump and just says, fuck it. You don't make the jump now. Cause the whole point of making the jump is to be double champ. Mm. Have both okay. belts. Okay. Um, he doesn't even have one belt now. Um, unfortunately too, his coach, Trevor Whitman. So Trevor Whitman is the coach for Justin Gaethje and uh, Rose Namajunas. Both have lost their previous fights. Oh. And now Kamaru Usman has lost his fight. Oh, and I'm starting to think, because Trevor Whitman is renowned as like the best coach, the best MMA coach there is out there. Hmm. I'm starting to think, man, is there a curse now? Is he slipping? Like, like people are thinking, man, did Kamal get like too cocky? Was he like, you know, wasn't as prepared or whatever you want to say? I'm, not, I'm thinking like, is, was Trevor Whitman as prepared as he should have been? You know, did he get Kamaru as prepared? Because his last two fighters, last time they fought, they lost. And so you were just saying that, like, he won the four rounds and lost the one and that it was just a slip up. So how much blame can you really put on the trainer or the coach there? I mean, in in UFC in general, because like if if a football, you know, if you have a two minute drill in football and you don't use your timeouts, or you mismanage it's the coach's fault. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. I will say, yes, Usman was winning. He would have won four rounds to one. But the thing was, it wasn't like Usman was absolutely just ragdolling Leon Edwards. Mm. Like, there was not, it wasn't like a total, complete ass whooping or anything. Like, if you look at Leon, he doesn't really look too 
bruised up. He probably, you know, had a little bruise on his eye or whatever, but it's just, I, I mean, he did what he needed to do to score points and win the rounds. But, I mean, by far, on Usman's standards, that was not, that was probably his most disappointing, dis, disappointing showing in recent memory. Um, maybe out of all his championship fights, he was, this was the fight too. He would have broke Anderson Silva's record. Mm. He would have broke Anderson Silva's record for most consecutive wins to start a UFC career and the most title defenses in a row. Oh, uh-huh. and so literally all those records now is like they're they're gone. He's, and I'm just like, ah. But I was originally mad Leon won it. I'm not Leon's just, eh. He's whatever. Like there's nothing to him, and I got mad because he was all like, he met, said something in his post fight after he won the belt, like, oh, it's because I'm a pimp, blah blah blah, or something like that. I'm just like, oh my god, like. Dude, you were a nobody literally like 10 minutes ago. You're getting your ass whooped. <laughs> you were a nobody 10 minutes ago. And it, it's kind of like the Juliana Pena effect. They get the belt and they just start, you know, Juliana Pena thinks she's hot shit. I mean, which in order to be a fighter, yes, you got to be confident. Confident in yourself and your abilities. But there's a difference between that and like, come on, you got to be real. Like, Usman's the better fighter. Not today. Not today. But I do like the parody it causes. Because now you see all the Masvidals, the Hamzats, everybody in that division is coming out like, oh yeah, I want my title shot now. I want my title shot now. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of like that. Because with Usman, Usman fucking beat the shit out of all of them. So they're, you know, they're quiet. <laughs> there, there's nobody really chomping at the bit for that title shot. But now that Leon's uh, the champ, it's like they're all like, "Ooh, okay." Like even the probably Colby Covington is probably over there, like, "Ooh, give me that title shot now! Give me that title shot now!" Because now they have a realistic chance of getting the title. <laughs> Interesting. Well, it'll be fun to watch, and I'm very curious to hear the UFC pod where Caesar rips on you for being wrong. Yeah, I'm not. Let's see. We'll see how it goes. Two fans, you know where to find us at Slice Devils Pod at Slice Devils Podcast. God, we can't wait for football season to start. Am I right? <laughs> um, Can I get a hi yeah? Hi yeah. Two fans. We will see you next time.